three, two, one, go. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, the festive film that is, well actually, I'm Gav, I'm Alex, I'm Joel, I'm Dave, and I'm Austin. And just like Love Actually, we're actually all around, which mm. is particularly true if you're listening to us with surround sounds. Yeah, nice. Or in headphones. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that's around in Love Actually is the amount of sexual predators. <laughs> Objection. <laughs> <We're in nostalgia. laughs> Seriously, if you've never heard the show before, then hold on to your prime ministers because we're about to peel the curtain back on Love Actually. Essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. There's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans to keep you entertained, including a cheerful caption contest, a top-notch quiz, some average xylophone playing, some festive impressions, some sound effects, and a whole lot of banter. So do stick around. Now, this week's film on trial is the 2003 romantic comedy? Objection, he's using a tone. Romantic? (laughs) Love, actually. Is it Hugh Grant or is it Hugh Grant? Is Mm. it Richard Curtis or is it Richard Hurts Us? (laughs) Hopefully... We're going to find out. Now, just to say, this will be a very spoilerific episode, so if you are one of the probably three people who have not ever seen this film, you can listen to this episode after you've watched it. It's free on Amazon Prime at the moment. Thank you very much. Or you can just trust our judgments. Alternatively, you can fast forward to our quiz this week brought to you by me, which will be around the 40-odd minute mark, I reckon. Might not be. Austin will put it in the comments section below. Possibly. Now, <laughs> possibly, <laughs> probably not, probably not. Now, before we go on trial, our last film on trial was A Bad Mom's Christmas. Thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's, is... that's most of our Christmases in one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I judged that trial and I deemed that it should be placed on the shit list. Uh, I've since gone away and I've watched that film. Did I make the right call or not? Well, I made that call because when I asked Alex <laughs> to name one funny thing that happened in A Bad Mom's Christmas, he laughed. <laughs> and That's because I found it so funny. <laughs> I was remembering them all. You literally couldn't think of one thing. <laughs> anyway, so I, I did watch it over the weekend. I didn't think it was as bad as everybody made out. I don't, I don't think it was particularly good though. But, it, you know, it was just a bit disappointing because I actually liked the first Bad Mom's film. And you can just tell this has just been rushed just out. completely rushed out of 10 uh four yeah yeah i didn't think it was i don't think it was like completely unwatchable i mean you, you've seen the type of caliber of film I that know. i watch on a regular we know, we basis know how low you can go. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah uh, it, it wasn't as bad as you all made out but yeah it's just, it, the thing is it's just disappointing when you look at the first film and if you enjoyed the first film i wouldn't have the same expectations for this because it's here's, just like down. here's a scenario for you it's christmas eve you're just settling in with a nice drink you know you the fire's on it's nice and cozy in there Got a choice of two films, um, Bad Mom's Christmas or Bone Alone. <laughs> <laughs> All your family's round with you, you know, they haven't seen either, they're like, we'll trust, we'll trust your judgment, Kevin. He likes films. Yeah. <laughs> our, our Christmas, our Christmas depends films. on this moment. Like, obviously, it's going to be Bone Alone. If the whole family's around, Bone Alone is a PG-friendly film about a dog who gets left at home 
in a Home Alone style scenario at Christmas, and it's it, fun for all the family. It's not, you know. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, that's not even the plot. <laughs> Is it not? No, no, that's not it at all. We're putting it on trial on. Yeah, yeah, we are. Are we? Are I've, we? I've already watched it. <laughs> yeah, so spoiler alert, we have picked out of our festive hat, which I'll take, I'll take a picture of and put on Twitter, all of the Christmas films that we're going to be covering over the Christmas period. And surprise, surprise, Bone Alone made oh, the cut. Who so, knows how? Hey, if you don't know what Bone Alone is, uh, you're in a good majority, to be honest. But tune in in about three weeks' time because you're going to find out. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an adult film. <laughs> anyway, right. So before we go into the bulk of the show, I think it's time for Alex's Film Feels. Cheers. Uh, now I feel I feel it's been unfair. This um, this film feels uh, I had quite a lot of ideas, but they got vetoed. One of them, my first one was the most annoying child in any film. Objection. Ever. <laughs> uh, another one was going to be worst Richard Curtis film um, or, or character out of a Richard Curtis film that you'd most you want to die. Yeah. But yeah. I, I was I was convinced that this would uh, prejudice the judge. So instead, <laughs> let's do. Um, best sort of film with an ensemble cast you know because this has got you know hmm. whatever you want to say about them it's got some heavy hitters in there so a film packed to the gills full of stars um first thing i'm thinking of maybe the original murder on the orient express not the remake not the remake <laughs> but the original that was that had a pretty good well a stellar cast for its day you know a lot of names may have been forgotten now but that was a classic yeah, yeah good one i'm gonna go for uh the departed hmm. i think it's yeah. pretty lots of you know Pretty stellar cast. Jack Nicholson, you know, Martin Sheen, loads of them. Ray but Winston. Ray Winston, oh, well. Wow. <laughs> uh, I uh, completely uh, forgot that he was in I that. Me too. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I think it, you know, the film's better for it. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that's good as well. With it, cause a real ensemble piece for me has just terrific actors and actresses in supporting roles as well. You know, just even two or three lines, it's played by somebody like, who's won an Oscar, essentially. Yeah. Uh, I think that's always a good sign. Um, Austin? I was going to say Caddyshack. But then I quickly decided maybe that's not really an ensemble cast. It's just a few people who we know since Caddyshack. Rather than, uh, or, or I could have done Grand Budapest, but even then, I, I was guess that's say, not yeah, one of that. Wes Anderson yeah, films. Absolutely. Yeah. You do have a choice of three that you just rotate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depending on the film feels. Yeah. We're back to Hocus Pocus next <laughs> Hocus Pocus technically did have an ensemble cast, and what a cast it was! Um, I think for mine, um, I don't know JFK. Oh, I was say JFK. Yeah, I mean, okay. I that was a pretty yeah, decent yeah. cast at the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was. That's the best one. Well what, done. What about what about Heat as well? No, great cast. No, no. No, I was going to no, say no, you won, cast. and then you brought up Heat. Well, you know, then <laughs> no. again, Heat was the first time that Pacino and De Niro had appeared on screen and, and, together. And, and, I wish yeah. they and you've got Val Kilmer as well. Hey, yeah. Let's not forget about Val Kilmer. <laughs> not a very good film, though, is it? But I think that's one for a future episode, to be honest. Yeah, Heat would be a good one to put on trial, actually. Joel? Uh, so I'm staying modern and going with Endgame. So I mean... Oof. So. Yeah. I just don't <laughs> imagine the, the wages from Endgame and it blows my mind. Yeah, that must be in, like, the... I'm going to say... Oh, well, I don't know, actually, do you think people would have just paid been paid originally for, like, so many films? Probably, yeah. yeah. They like, contracted for X, yeah. X number of films. Yeah, but I'd, I'd imagine even Robert Downey Jr. himself took a hefty away... Yeah, amount away from. Well, that wasn't film, he getting paid it? like about sixty million per film in the end? I, I heard that he negotiated a percentage of the takings. What a sensible rather than man. like an actual, mm. you know, set fee. So he's probably absolutely pissing money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for that, Alex. 
happy birthday. Oh, it's not my birthday, but... No, but it is. <laughs> Kate Russell's... No, not Kate Russell's. Kate Douglas's birthday. <laughs> is it? 103 years old today. Jesus. Hey. Well done, Kirk. I know. Good innings. I thought I'd bring that up because uh, you like Kate Douglas so much. An awful lot, yeah. And Judy Dench as well. <laughs> <laughs> and Donny Osmond. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, uh, on to the bulk of the show. This week's film, as mentioned before, is Love Actually. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. I forgot what, what was it going to be. Right, Kerry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. You ready? It's not a good sign when you don't wow. remember the song. <laughs> oh. oh, Jesus. There you go. Nice recovery. Nice recovery. There we go. Okay. Uh, so, uh, this week's film has been picked out the Festive Hat at random, and it was recommended to us by Jen, by Siobhan, by Kat. By so many people, to be honest, over the years, all of our respected uh, all the halves, and um, yeah, we finally got round to doing it. It's about two and a half years in the making, so it's hopefully going to be a good one. Uh, all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random as well. So in defence and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Ozzy and Dave. Now Ozzy is a little bit like Bill Nye's Billy Mac. He's very musically talented, and his favourite hobbies are getting pissed and watching porn. <laughs> and Dave is just like Gregor Fisher's Joe, Aww. Billy Mac's manager. He actively spends a great deal of time listening to shit aging rock stars, <laughs> and he also enjoys getting pissed and watching porn. <laughs> and acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be myself and Alex. Now I'm a little bit like Thomas Brody Sangster's Sam. I just played some pretty disturbing behaviors when i was a child <laughs> and i say a lot of cringy shit and i'm quite annoying as well nice. uh, uh let's go and get this shit kicked out of us by love oh, don't, don't. and alex is just like chris marshall's colin some people inexplicably think that he's charming <laughs> but those who really know him know that he's actually a scruffy smelly whopper <laughs> <laughs> Now, just like real court advocates, we will be making the best case for our roles. These may or may not be our real opinions, though, so do stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear our genuine thoughts. Which means this week, Joel has the most important role, as he will be playing the judge. Now, Joel is a little bit like Marty McCutcheon's Natalie. He loves his family. He always supplies us with chocolate biscuits. He's got a foul mouth on him, and he's got trees like... No, he's got trees like... He's got legs like tree trunks. <laughs> Sorry. Trees like legs. He's got trees like trees legs. <laughs> like leg trunks uh, now Joel must decide which film this list should be placed on hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion is it a coincidence that the one time that you're relatively nice to me is the film that I'm judging <laughs> <laughs> no uh, now before we get started I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about so let us spin the wheel of impressions So here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week it has landed on Austin. Uh, now, how would we like Austin to read the synopsis out? There's a lot of choice Grant, on this one. Hugh Grant would be a clear one, but is there anything trickier? Hugh Grant, Bill Nye. Alan Rickman. Ooh. Alan Rickman. We did Alan Rickman last Christmas, didn't we? That's did true. We? No, Die Hard. Hard. Die Hard. Rick Ben. Okay, yeah, so Hugh, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Yeah. Sorry, I'll try Hugh Grant. Love Actually follows the lives of eight very different couples in dealing with their love lives in various loosely interrelated tales. Um, uh, 
all set during a fr- frantic month before Christmas. Nice. Hey. Oh, very good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Very, very good. good. Bring it home. Sorry. Give that man some applause. <laughs> well done, man. Well done. You didn't embarrass yourself. Um, okay, <laughs> close though. <laughs> so I, I do think that this episode will be going into quite a lot of detail about um, some of the many, many characters. So I thought before we kick things off, I'll just give people a general summary hmm. of the nine interweaving love stories. So everybody knows who we're talking about later on. Okay. So number one is Hugh Grant's Prime Minister David and his tea lady Natalie, played by Martin McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. Second one is, is his sister Karen, Emma Thompson, and her husband Harry, Alan Rickman, and his secretary Mia, played by... Heike. Sorry. Number three, Colin Firth's writer Jamie and his Portuguese cleaner Aurelia, Lucia Monas. Uh, Liam Neeson's widow Daniel, his stepson Sam, and uh, and Sam's school friend. And Claudia Schiffer. And Claudia Schiffer (laughs) as well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Number five, Martin Freeman and Joanna Page's naked stunt doubles John and Judy. Number six, Kira Knightley's Juliet, her husband Peter, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and his best mate Mark, Andrew Lincoln. Number seven, Laura Linney's Sarah and her co-worker Carl, Rodrigo Santoro. Number eight, Bill Nighy's aging rocker, Billy Mack, and his manager, Joe, played by Gregor Fisher. And number nine, Chris Marshall's hopeless loser, Colin, and a succession of American beauties. Right. Okay, so they're all the nine stories, just so everybody knows who we're talking about. Mm. Joel, would you like to please kick off proceedings? If I have to. <laughs> um, okay, so I've had a little bit of a kind of brief overview of the love stories there. We'll start off, as we always do, on the plot, but let's not kind of get too bogged down on the, the minute details. Can't guarantee anything. Um, so, <laughs> actually, I'm going to throw it over to the prosecution first, because... Oh, I'd love to. It's Christmas, so why not? Why not? So, um, this film begins with one of the crassest uh, opening bits of dialogue I've ever heard. Uh, it begins with Richard Curtis basically equating what his film's going to be with the love, and he uses he uses the nine eleven atrocities <laughs> to basically anchor his film in some sort of message of love. It, it's quite ballsy, and you think, "Wow, this guy's really got to have something to say." And the fact is, he has nothing to say. There's nine different love stories for nine different plots where he has an opportunity to say anything about his central theme of love, and he manages to not do it once. There is nothing about love at all running all the way through this film it's absolutely appalling that's how the film begins and you just can't believe it you're just like the brass neck on this guy how how could he say that is that what uh, you thought the second you heard that when you first yes. went to watch love actually you're here you're signed uh, you signed the cinema with your girlfriend you're watching love actually was the very first thing you did after he opened that was what an absolute saucer yep. is that your first thought <laughs> yes you are a cold-hearted bastard <laughs> yes, no it was. A, no yes it was you were a single throughout right, yeah. university <laughs> Can I just add, right? The, the line is actually when the planes hit the Twin Towers, like, I'm sure that the messages that people were sending weren't messages of hate, but ones of love. Yeah. And I was and like, how the were. fuck does he know? He says, <laughs> he says, he says, he says, to the best of my knowledge. Know. Oh. To the best of my knowledge. How fucking dare he? You know, like, this is how a real life atrocity. Yeah. And this is a fucking r- romantic comedy set at Christmas. He's already going to be getting fucking big bucks. He's already going to be t- pulling on people's hearts. Why bring the Twin Towers into me? And do you know what? It'd be 
be fine right. to do well, that. Like I said, let's not get it's bogged down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the 10 second of the film. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, we'll get there. Maybe let's like move yeah, on. It a might be a four day episode, but we'll get there. No one's leaving until we discuss this. Joel, one thing about that though. We haven't even mentioned the font. I was going to say, the font as it comes down to the giant Christmas tree, probably the biggest Christmas tree you have ever seen, as it comes down through Heathrow Airport and five weeks till Christmas. Pop down. And yeah. the scene is set, and that is exactly what you need. Uh, on uh, With this monologue, uh, just coming down through uh, Hugh Grant, and he's setting the scene, he's explaining, like, but unless you're trying to pick it apart like these two, that's not a comment that you're going to dwell upon. You're going to say, you know what, he's probably right. This is a whole point of people meeting each other. Like, he uses Heathrow Airport as, as a thing about, we're not sat here. Generally, humans try to love each other. We're there, we're missing each other, and we're waiting for our loved ones to come back. So that's what it's about. Yeah, he ties it in with the arrivals gate at Heathrow. It's like, if ever you have doubt that there's love in the world, you know, just think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow, how pleased people are to see each other at that point. So that's yeah. why you get the, the airline tie-in. That's why you get the planes tie-in. Do you know he just went around and filmed people in Heathrow and yeah. then afterwards asked for their that's permission? The that's exactly Isn't that's, we- that's voyeuristic. That is weird. It's not voyeuristic no, or weird. He's making no. a film. He wanted <laughs> candid responses <laughs> for the film. If they said no, he wouldn't have used yeah. the footage. To be fair, we'll, we'll he wasn't sat in the toilets with a camera. Yeah. <laughs> You're just making stuff up now. This we'll is just we, scandal. We'll, we'll yeah. get onto voyeurism later, I'm sure, uh, in the Andrew Lincoln story. The, it, but it's, it tries to set it, it tries to give itself some gravitas and it, and it uses the 9 11. Uh, that, that's what I think, anyway. Then the film sort of goes on and you're introduced to these nine different stories, basically, these nine little stories that are like basically almost the same size. Some are slightly bigger than others and some are slightly smaller. And if you sat there, Joel, thinking like, how can nine different stories work in a film? They don't. It's a bad idea. Never been done before and it'll never be uh, done again. It doesn't work. Never done again. Did you watch Avengers Endgame recently? Sorry. Yeah. yeah, I did. Yeah. That yeah. was essentially nine different stories all mm, rammed together. No, not at the same time. If I may, not, it, it had been done before many a time, and it has been done since like, many a time. Such as? Okay, do you want me to find them? Do you want me to look for examples? No, no, when you're off the top of your head, Dave. Don't Google it. Say, tell I'll, me. I'll find you some examples. <laughs> and while, oh, Dave, and while Dave's doing I'm going to refute that totally. I think actually the fact that there are nine uh, different stories really works in its favour because it is re- repeating itself. The, the, three, the nine stories are all three-act stories through out you get this like every character is introduced then they have a low point then they redeem themselves and there is a, a closing and the whole point of this is like an emotional roller coaster it's you feel like you've watched nine short movies and that's the whole point Aussie. of the movie Aussie, that is what on. it's at some of them don't have low points though like so uh, yeah, they, yeah, judy can't. and i've forgotten his name now but, um, martin freeman's bit, the, the porn actors they're not yeah, porn well, actors that, they go. don't have any down points well, I mean, <laughs> they do. Yeah. And just just to run off three films that do have the split storyline: Pulp Fiction, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah, Crash, yeah, yeah, City of God. Boom. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Google. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's about to look it up, but it's just like Pulp Fiction. That's like, that's one we should have thought of. Not, this has been done before. Pulp Fiction stories. is an example of it being done well, and you know, at a smaller scale as well. I don't think it was nine into into even stories. And the thing is, is that like, like the difference between this and Pulp Fiction. I can't believe that I'm even saying this. <laughs> like, like, putting these two films together. The thing about that and Pulp Fiction is the the the. Uh, the stories in Pulp Fiction directly relate yes. to each other. If one thing happens in one story in Pulp Fiction, it has consequences in another story. You know that they all interlink. Whereas these stories are literally just pigeonholed. Like you know the the. Uh, the the, what we were just talking about before, the porn actors or the not porn actors. You know, if we took that their uh, story out of the film, it would have no impact on any other story in the film at all. In fact, none of the links 
uh, impact at all. It's it's just oh, this is my brother and this is your sister, and occasionally in scenes, as an, instead of an extra, you've got Kira Knightley. So it's like oh, but there's not an actual a, a proper link between the stories. The stories don't link, do they? Do they? Does, does that matter to you? Yeah, the stories really? No, no. But do, no, do you think the stories link? Or I think not? they tie together. I think you feel as though it's an interconnected world, and that you know, person A Richard knows Kettis person Land. B, <laughs> person B knows person C, person C knows person J, who happens to be sleeping with person A. Mm. You know, and it all ties together. It's a bit like the rom com Pulp Fiction. This is what you have for <laughs> yeah. us to have been suggested it so many times. Speaks that people do like this film, and they are expecting us not to like it. And I th- actually think it's really really enjoyable and i think the the nine different narratives helps you on this course like so where they're saying it, it's like these these tiny little stories is, is yeah they are but they're an emotional story like nine times and and you have the same uh impact in different ways for each one so you have this low you think oh my my god how are they going to get out of that that's really bad like the emma thompson and uh, 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 uh storyline you think fuck that's really bad like and you're really sad for her and then, you know, when she opens... The... There's no resolution to that one? At all. There is resolution. What's the resolution? We're going to get on to that when we go through each of the individual stories. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But, but I, I don't think a story... I mean, all of them do wrap up, and that is the, the whole point, but not all of them wrap up happily. But that's not... That's, you know, that's the point of the but movie. But they still conclude, still or conclude, conclude enough. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, yeah, these, these stories are interwoven. Others can exist without the other. It's not like the butterfly effect where you remove one and the whole thing crumbles. Yeah. The stories can stand on their own, but they are linked. They are interwoven. No, the, the the stories have absolutely no depth whatsoever. It, it's that there's no depth to this film at all. And like I could see someone arguing, saying, "Well, you know, it's fun," but there's no depth at all to it. And 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 this is my problem with the nine eleven comment at the beginning because it, it says this is going to be a film about emotional depth, and then it provides none. You know, the the Thomas Brody Sangster character, the the kid. At first, you're thinking he's precocious because he's like, "Oh, how can you know? How can eleven year old have the same you know view on love as as adults or something like that?" And then you know, part of the film is like oh no he does and you know, but but actually it's because the whole way love is looked at in this film is like an 11 year old would look at it and you don't understand why any of the characters actually love each other there's no relationships it's all of that infatuation it's infatuation actually it's nothing to do with love and it's all that bit of teenage love before you actually talk to each other before you get to know each other before any of the actual authentic love starts it's all the oh and 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 you know and the stories end at the moment when they say i love you happily ever after it's all fairy tale and it's fantasy and i get it's a christmas film i get it's not going to be rooted in grittiness but but for a story that's meant to be about love there's got to be something authentic and real in there and this is just constant curtis fantasy land and it's nonsense I'd say my biggest issue was it with it, sorry, is what Alex was just saying, in that you have this Thomas Brody Sangster character, and he talks in the film like a 12-year-old Richard Curtis. Yes. And my issue is that every single one of these characters all sounds like Richard Curtis, you know, like all of the dialogue, like, you know, you could close your eyes and it's just, oh, here we go. We've got a, um, you know, a 40 odd year old Richard Curtis. We've got a female Richard Curtis, a 12 year old, you know, they all sound exactly the same. There's no variation with them at all. There's no variation with the, with the love stories. As Alex just said, it's just, it is just like infatuation. It is just, it's not love at all. It's just massive romantic gestures. The people who, uh, I don't know, idiots or really young and not really experienced love properly think what love is. It's like a film that's been written by a 12 year old boy. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to throw this back to, to Dave and Ozzy now, but I'm going to say why, obviously a lot of people watch this at Christmas, think that's, that's a given, whatever we think of it. 
Why do you think that is? Uh, because Christmas is probably the biggest character within the, the film. The characters do what they do almost certainly because of Christmas. They, they, they act in certain ways because it's Christmas. It's mentioned so many times throughout the film. 69, in fact, the number of love is how many times it's mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so genuinely, Christmas is mentioned 69 times in the film and, and characters behave the way they behave because it's Christmas time. You know, uh, uh, Alan Rickman suggests to Laura... Uh, Linny. Um, you know, t- she should finally act upon her her, her um, infatuation with the uh, the designer um you know and why not it's christmas do us all a break give yourself a favor mm-hmm. try that you see um you see martin mccutcheon's character she writes in the card you know if you can't say it now you can't say it at christmas when can you say it that christmas is the the overarching theme and here you've got all of the you know, like christmas tropes you know you've got um you've got the the big play the nativity is is you know the the big end set piece essentially um, and it's it just revolves around Christmas. Christmas is there. It's not uh, you know you don't have Father Christmas, you don't have Santa or elves, anything like that. But it's Christmas. The way they behave is because of Christmas. You know, you've got the that's Christmas the excuse party. for their behaviour. Essentially, is like oh yeah, we can do whatever we want because it's Christmas. You say the excuse, I say the rationale. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, I mean, like, we all do that. If you want an extra pig and blanket, you say you <laughs> know, Christmas. Fuck it's Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, but behave. within this, it's like oh yeah, I can sexually assault a coworker. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas. Okay, tell me what you. How did you see it? How have you interpreted that story? Come on, tell me what did you. So it's not my. I'd say this is just the facts. Okay, let's talk about. Let's talk about. No, no, these are the facts. If I'm not saying, if I'm leaving them out, you tell me that these aren't factually right. So he's just his best friend. He's best man at the wedding, Mm -hmm. and his best friend's just married. What seems to be a very young girl, Kira Knightley, yeah? Um, yeah, I think we're we're they, they, they are Okay, 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 to okay. The okay. They're age, together, yeah. they're together. Anyway, it turns out <laughs> that uh, Andrew Lincoln's character mm-hmm. is in love with uh, Kira Knightley. Mm-hmm. Not sure why, because to be honest, she doesn't seem to say or do anything. She seems to smile a lot and look doe eyed. Very pretty. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe. We don't know what kind that, of That's true. But then again, that's the point. We don't know. We don't know why he's in love. We don't know really why anyone is in love. We don't need to know. Yeah, yeah, that's the point of the story. So, but yeah, kind of stick to the Facts. What's your um, issue? What's your issue with the stop story? Embellishing. My issue with the story is that Andrew Lincoln mm-hmm. then is in love with her, which I think at first is inappropriate, and then actively pursues her when he goes no, to the that's house. That's not what happens. And he goes all. and gets no, the cards, no, no, and he basically okay, right, right. Then, all right, then tell me how it's interpretation. Not. Dave, go. What this is, okay? Yes, he's fallen in love with his best friend's wife, and he is ashamed of that. He is mortified of this fact. As a result of that, he's pushed her away. She doesn't actually think he likes her at all. You know, in no in no way she perform because he's pushed her away so much because he feels so guilty about the fact that he's fallen for her when she, he is. Go, Alex. So he's so guilty that he spends their wedding following her around with a camera. Yeah. 
yeah. looking at her every move and then videotaping it and keeping the videotape. Yeah, because yeah. he's feeling sorry for himself. This is or he's taken a this video of her to keep for himself. Just at that point, right, and to back up that point in that shot. Mm-hmm. When he's finding the videotape, what uh, what's what's the film at the end of that row? Rear window. It's a picture of uh, James Stewart with a camera. Yeah, it's a bit stalkery, isn't it? That he's following it and filming it and keeping. Oh yeah, it's these embarrassing. Things. Hence why when she comes round to see, you know, because she remembers him having the camera, she comes round to see the video. He doesn't want her to see yeah. it, but she catches it, and it's like, oh, this is embarrassing. He is, <laughs> he is, yeah, it is. to say the least, Dave. mortified. Yeah. It's devastating for him. Then he goes out. He has this bit of a, yeah, exactly, exactly right. But, he goes and he has this yeah. bit of a tantrum as he's walking down the street and yeah he's devastated by it and that's why you get the he card sh- scene because now if, I may, be- if I may if I may that's why you get the card scene he's not going there to stoke up an affair he's like well I've been found out now I may as well try my luck he's going around to explain himself that's what the cards are about that's sure. him saying this is never going to happen this is never going to work but I need to explain what the hell that video was about because that's embarrassing and I think there are better see ways that, and love makes you do not as clever essentially as the story of this one is love makes you do stupid things you know okay, this yeah. infatuation he had with a got out of control and he knew it did and he got rumbled like you say it this did. is all true that word but infatuation again expand. isn't it Where's well no the that's love? the word you've used that's the word you've Where's no, he's love? fallen in love with her, and who are we to say whether he has or he hasn't? Maybe. But at the end of the day, he goes around to explain himself. It's actually, it's a, it's a bizarre gesture, but a very memorable one. I mean, that has become, you know, one of cinema's most, yeah. you know, copied moments. And, and, it's and it's and a big c- deal. Considered to be one of the most romantic things somebody could do. <laughs> to a lot of people. Everyone's got different ideas on romance. You wait, may not think it's wait, romantic. Wait, a lot on, of people guys. do. I don't think she would tell would have found it very fucking romantic. No, I don't think would. Dave, right, just hypothetically here, right? No, you're not going to ask him. You're not going to ask him. He's not sympathetic. Anybody, what he's doing is yeah. reprehensible. It is stalkerish. Like the thing, it, one of his first cards. I've seen it, you out no. my window before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah. you he's doing it yeah. to. for the grace of God, go you. It's only to scare your dog. <laughs> one, of it, one of Andrew Lincoln's first cards, right, says, like, hopefully in a year's time, I'd like to think I'd be one, with one of these women, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's literally, <laughs> I know, I know. there's a collection of, of models that he's caught yeah. out of magazines. I was expecting their eyes to be cut out like this is like something that should be found in Buffalo Bill's house in Santa Lambs this is fucking weird I think it's getting too much you're making it way creepier than it is it's meant to be comical it's meant to be this is his humour and she gets it she laughs about it because she's like ah yeah that's really funny because yeah that's what you dream to be with that's like and everybody knows this guy he's described as being that sort of guy by three other characters because that's how it interlinks people say oh yeah I know this guy He, he owns the art gallery blah 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 that's how it's all passed across that he likes to hang around with with good looking women that's what he's after you know that's what he sees himself as but he's he's also a little bit you know he's quiet he's reclusive because he loves this woman who he can't have. No, no, no. no. Why? why guys, does he love her? You don't need to know. That's you don't need to know. You to know. Who are you to say why people love each other? It's Christmas in under two weeks, it's guys. It's got to explain why people love. No, it doesn't. Love. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Right. Right. Why yeah. should yeah. it? Love stories should explain why people love. I'll unplug your microphone. You don't need to explain, Jack. Right, okay, we'll move on to the next storyline because I want to go home soon. And we'll start... We'll go to the Prime Minister. Obviously, that's a bit of a strange one. 
Uh, and maybe what makes you say that impartial judge because <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe at the moment you know uh, like this, this is a daily air. mail headline in the way in pervy older prime minister seduces young downing street staff again i don't think her age is mentioned the weight is mentioned constantly the amount of fat jokes running through this film is ridiculous everybody calls it fat his secretary or, or aide like says oh if you've the got chubby the chubby one her family her nickname is Plumpy, <laughs> like her former boyfriend said, she had trees. The, like like the film ends. <laughs> yeah, it makes it, it makes the humor. It makes the humor horrible. The humor's horrible in yeah. this film. Right at the very the, end. The goal. very end, last bit is a fat joke when she jumps into his arms and he goes, "Oh, you weigh a lot," and it's like, what? That's the end of the film. Fat jokes throughout it. They're, they're indefensible. Come on, they're, they're not. You can't defend the fat joke. I mean, I don't feel like I need to defend the fat jokes because they're clearly not meant as as fattest or as it's just this has just been described she describes herself as this and then he, he it's there so that he's there to defend her he doesn't she doesn't describe herself like that she uh, says that her boyfriend called her fat and, and then, then he and then everyone calls her, her fat and then he calls her fat later on it's like well, hang on a minute that what does you exactly like her ex-boyfriend well no that's not how i saw it you you're clearly seeing this from another another angle and i'm not sure what's happened to you over the last 15 years <laughs> do you know what, do you know what Ozzy, you these personal attacks are, are getting less and less effective i, I like no. them to be honest yeah, I, I think right, the thing the thing for me right is is like you, i don't really want to go through all nine storylines because it, it's going to get tedious that we're sat here trying well to watch the film. they do don't they well no they don't is that the, the thing is that it's nine three-act stories it's like an anthology of love stories taken from slightly different angles but with similar themes and the whole point is that you're watching a film you're watching a film at christmas and and the point of a christmas film the point of any film really is to make you feel something and that's clearly what this does for people this tugs at emotional heartstrings constantly throughout and and that's why it works and that's and it's exhausting at times because you're on this up and a down up and a down up and a down but i think that's what one so this is you know they're they're against it because there are nine like lighter storylines however that's actually it's a big plus point for it that there are nine storylines that loosely tied together with each other mm. that you can just follow along and think fuck that's really emotional that's very fun as a christmas film yeah and even it, if there's something in that you yourself can't personally relate yeah. to there'll be something there's in there one that in you minute, can yeah. it's literally just like nine richard curtis wank fantasies oh, and it's Jesus. Just, <laughs> this is what he wanted when he was a kid like all the like amazing ways that he could fall in love but he couldn't i hope he wasn't thinking about this when he was a kid he <laughs> <wank laughs> like, doesn't want to talk uh, break down the nine individual love stories because we got more to say about Hugh Grant if you right, want. Hugh, we have got more to say about Hugh Grant. This man, he severs ties with his greatest ally <laughs> in America because, not because of the Iraq war, not because of the thousands yeah. of people who, who died. Nah, bullshit. He's, he's actually advised by every one of his advisors to stand up against America. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to. It was because the president harassed his, his tea lady. He was not even his girlfriend at the time. If but I may, this is a fantasy We've already established that, and there's nothing wrong with that. This is fantasy. In this fantasy, I'd like to think the Iraq War didn't happen. There's no mention of the Iraq War. This man is not Tony Blair. There's a similarity to Tony Blair, but he's not Tony Blair. So who's to say the Iraq War happened? This is the fantasy of what we wish Tony Blair had done and stood up to. So he is Tony Blair. Well, no. Well, no, but we it's, can't it's, wish he is it's Tony at Blair, the same and time. He's not Tony Blair. The film came out at the same time while Tony Blair was in power. There's always going to be parallels, but he's not a carbon copy. He's not exactly Tony Billy Blair. Billy Bob Thornton is a clear George Bush, though. Isn't it? It 
could well be. Yeah, I think that there's there's meant to be a similarity between the, their circumstances. Yeah, so but it doesn't have to be carbon copy. We don't have to talk about the Iraq war, which may or may not have happened in this fantasy land. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, this is what we wished we'd seen. But once again, like most of the love stories in this film, there are no consequences. It just sort of ends before anybody actually thinks about, hang on, what happens next? The fact he severs ties with America. Why, why does Quite, a movie no, but the thing have is, to no, 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 Austin, but you, you, you can't, you can't just literally just go like, oh, is is a storyline. I'm not going to bother resolving that. I'm just going to leave it. Like, this is a guy who severs ties with his greatest ally in America, right? Like, And everybody's smiling nodding along while he's talking about Great Britain and David Beckham's oh. left foot and all that shit, which is beyond embarrassing in itself. But, you know, <laughs> nobody thinks about the international trade deals that's been completely ruined or the actual threats that he makes to one of the most powerful men in the world. Don't worry about all that guff because... Yeah, you know, rather in the epilogue, instead of getting off the plane at Heathrow, if it had been like the economy fails, flashing <laughs> yes. up across... Yeah. I know what Gav means. I would like that to come to be revisited later because it's an actual something. Just an actual something. Look, look, if it brings it up itself and says it's a big part and oh we're standing up to America, like Gav says, no consequences. Just carry on. Just like move on. And like the the stories do not resolve at all. Like there's some some do a bit, some don't. But there's no consequences to anything. You're right. It is a fantasy land and because it's such a ridiculous fantasy land because it's such a very specific upper middle class london fantasy land there's nothing to relate to and you don't care about any of it in fact you find it incredibly annoying <laughs> you find it incredibly annoying everyone does this is, no this is one of the nation's most beloved festive films clearly Fuck enough people nation. found clearly <laughs> enough people found escapism in this film yeah. in this fantasy land that they enjoy it and it's like yeah you know what i'm gonna put that on at christmas because it's a feel-good classic completely this this film in in this sense it, it is british it's nostalgic britain it's what people oh. Oh, it's not. It is. It's what people. It it's what the majority of the public. You think uh, it's an accurate th- representation of Britain? No, it's, no, it's a nostalgic, rose-tinted view of Britain. That's what people want. That's what you want at Christmas. You don't. Why the fuck do I want to know about the international breakdown in relations? That's just a really good plot point to show that he's gone. Fuck this guy is actually a dick, and I do need to stand up for Britain and for her because. Look who I'm, you know, dealing with here. That's right. what that's what happens there. It's a it's a light touch to move the plot on, so that you feel like he actually does care for her. Just a quick mm-hmm. one, Gav. If you start another argument, then that, that's the end. <laughs> it's, it's just to counter what Austin said about this view of Britain, and this is m- one of my problems with Richard Curtis in itself. Like he peddles this image of Britain to specifically an American audience, which perpetuates these stereotypes. Uh, and, and it just doesn't have any substance at all. Um, all of his films feature a predominantly white British cast. There's yep. limited ethnicity, race, uh, regionality at all. Everybody seems to be from London. They either seem to have like uh, terribly, terribly Queen's English or like Dickensian novel Les Miserables-esque Cockney voices. You know, there's no diversity at all. I think in this film, there's like two black actors, maybe three, you know. and All, uh, all heterosexuals storylines all as well. heterosexual as well you know like the, the, and it's this is filmed in london as well one of the most diverse cities in the uk there's no regional diversity at all you know joanna page speaks welsh liam neeson's irish but everybody else is the you know just those two different types of, of london i've got to say looking back at it looking back at it that is regrettable and it is a shame but you've got to remember this film was made 16 years ago the issues that you've raised now have really only come to light in what? the last five six what, years diversity they wasn't a big thing in not, 2003 not as big as it is now oh, come on not as big as it is now I 
I'm, kidding, I'm not kidding. It's, we're not talking about the 50s. We're talking about the millennium. We, it no, was a big issue be, then. It was 16 years ago still. You know, that's like half our no. lifetimes. You'd be amazed how long ago this was and how things have changed. And they've changed for the better. Don't get me wrong. You look back at films like this and you think, God, it is a shame that we didn't have these these ideas no, and these things no, that no, we should have no. represented that we know now we should have represented. No, that, okay. it, it is 2000, a shame. 2003 is far too recent to be saying this is no, because it's in the 90s. Everyone, that's enough of that. Um, okay, so we're going to move on because everything just turns into an argument. <laughs> yeah, nice one, Gav. Um, <laughs> so, uh, obviously, the film feels was about the massive cast and uh, yeah, yeah. the big names and things in this film. That has probably got to sell the film by itself. Oh, completely, completely. And, and they played that uh, up uh, uh, when it went international as well. So um, the cast on the front, uh, the, like the main title, you got like, eight or nine characters on the front page and they would change them around depending on what region they were going for because they had such big names because it must from... have been more money well yeah but why not like that's, that's what, what you do. Are out there that's for. what the Avengers did the, the, the big face on films the Avengers depending money, on where you went it's a different character and that's what they did here you know they they essentially paved the way for tailor the marketing to the, the audience you're, yeah. you're pitching out so so in uh in, in Portugal um Aurelia is on the thing instead of um, instead of Martin McCutcheon because in Germany it's the same, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they swapped them around to, to match that's where it's going, though, and that's, it's, that's because yeah, they are big of... names, even though they're not I'm necessarily not. big names in in. UK, they were huge in, in there. But they had a stellar cast and, and a, a cast which would they, they could use in that respect and yeah. they could appeal to different nationalities and get this film out there. I mean, that's that's just marketing at the end of the day. And everyone yeah, does a, a cracking job. Well, no, I don't so, know why we're on this. It's just marketing. Yeah, I don't know why we're talking about this. <laughs> talking, talking about Aurelia, can we talk about her and Jamie's love story? Well, we're talking about characters now, but yeah, if let's, you go, want, for yeah, yeah, let's yeah. go for it. Yeah, let's go for it. I mean, take, give it what's your gripe with their love story. Yeah. Well, firstly, Jamie is just a standard Richard Curtis character well, he's Colin Firth. yeah exactly <laughs> uh, like no and there's no variety at all when it comes to Colin Firth and Richard Curtis films easily flummoxed self-depreciating 20 to 30 year old white English man uh, exactly the same as David's character essentially David yep. and Jamie are the same characters but this time around the girl he's creeping on is Portuguese and doesn't speak any English at all you know this creeping this, on God. Yeah, hey, come on creeping he is, he is he, I object to the words know. being used to describe what's it, happening but, because that is not what happens the thing is, is he doesn't know what she's saying at all she and could she be saying like I'm pretty love can transcend language no, it doesn't infatuation again it's got nothing to do with love they don't know each other there's nothing of depth in this film about love I, I, it isn't Love. I beg to differ. So, so you're telling me that the Alan Rickman and uh, Emma Thompson story—that's not love. I'm saying it's a shallow look at divorce. And and who says they're divorced by the sounds of it? They're going to stick uh, together. Infidelity. infidelity Emma Thompson then. says we're right, going to stick together. And it's not infidelity. Right, infidelity. It doesn't cheat. And well, well, you're making things up. You're embellishing it. No, no, it. no, 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 no. I'm not making it up, Dave. Calm down. That's definitely open to interpretation. No, no, no. It's not. So the writer, he changed his mind and he said, actually, no, it was just flirtation. She, she, yeah, no, because she is married to Richard, Richard Curtis, Curtis yeah. and the two mm-hmm. of them decided that no, it was just flirtation. Oh, it's definitely open to interpretation. It's open to your interpretation, but you've got a very jaded look at this. An interpretation. Right. I've seen the film and it doesn't happen, so yeah. I think in, interpretation you. is fair. 
Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So, my, yeah, well, once well again, done, mate, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're moving on from uh, Jamie and Aurelia. You're talking about like you, once you're moving on to a more substantial. Well, no, because the story, no, because the the point there was about infatuation, and the thing with the film is it's dealing with different types of love. So there, yeah, there's as a as a young love, a love that's it's, transcended. It's just, just beginning. I love yeah. that's just starting. Well, no, it's yeah. not it's love because they spend weeks together. The only the, yeah. right, the point where he falls in love with her is when she takes off her clothes. You can actually see it on camera happen. It's you true. see, like, she takes that off is, her clothes and he falls in love with her. Like, that is not love. That is lust. That is not true. Right, and it they is fall about in love fact for you, Ozzy. Over the bonding after the stupid scene of jumping Talking into the water. Talking about his book and stuff like that. Yeah, it's that daft scene. It's like icebreaker. It is, it is his, um, uh, this is actual, actual fact for you. Like, Richard Curtis admitted recently that uh, him and other production members over had a meeting which lasted 45 minutes to determine what colour Lucia's underwear should be. Like, 45-minute meeting to talk about somebody's underwear. You know what I mean? This is like... So, so you're, let's say you're a director, film. okay? No, let's say you're the director now, and you've got this scene that's about to happen. Are you not going to spend time to make sure that the details are actually right? Because 45 well, let's minutes say, about somebody's underwear. I think to that's a to be much. fair, well, I'm yeah, going to put no, that down no, to no, conjecture, because, no. you, you know, I doubt he was sat there going, like, oh, I love red on women. You know, it could yeah, be like... Yeah, and to be honest, why did Richard Curtis say that? Is that you sure that's that's accurate? Yeah, yeah. 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 This is the that he had. Yeah, like, it could be something like blue portrays a certain mood or something yeah, like that. I, yeah, so yeah, I don't yeah. think that's completely yeah, fair. I don't think it's creepiness. That. I think it's about having the well, right art direction. That's well, the, the whole point this of the links, film. This links into another point where I do think the film is a bit creepy in places. I do think there are some lingering shots sometimes on like women's bus and I do think there are there's bits where like uh, is it Henke? How do you say her name? I cannot remember. The, the secretary, Heike. Okay. Where she just takes her clothes off for, for, for pretty much no reason. I, I do think there is a little bit of like, oh, yeah, yeah. if I'm it's not just women though. Rodrigo Santoro gets a similar lingering shot. It is to do. I mean, lust is a part of it, it's, kind of into attraction and what brings people together. It is mm. kind of a part. It's kind of on the same spectrum as love. Yeah. And it, you got to cover it. You got to mention it in these in these rom-coms. I think, I think one, Rodrigo Santoro. Rodrigo, I think you've got one example of a man, and then I think you've got many examples of. Okay, women. so I'm going to take it back to the performances. So. Um, Gavin, Alex, like, are the performances good in this film? No. No. Because the characters are not good. very, very paper thin. I'll tell you, about, I tell you it's, there's two people that give decent performances in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, Liam Neeson yep. and Emma Thompson. Right? Mm-hmm. Emma Thompson is completely wasted. She is so much, much better than what she is given to work with. So she is given this character like she's supposed to be sort of semi-relatable where, you know, she's just, oh, she's just one of the boys. She's having a bit of a laugh. Um, so when it comes to a more emotional scene, you've got more of a connection with her. Right. And Liam Neeson's character, he has moments where he's experiencing grief or something similar to grief. And they're the only two actors in the entire thing that give off any sort of semblance of a decent performance. The rest of them, it's not that they're not good performers because they are, you know, I've seen all of them in so many more things before where they've given great performances. It's just that they don't have anything to work with because you've got nine separate love stories in one film. So it's hard. You haven't got the amount of substance, the amount of time for a character to really grow and develop. And, uh, you know, sticking on to Emma Thompson, I agree with what Gav said. You know, I'm not, Emma Thompson's a very good actress and, you know, she's, you know, and, and, and I'd say, you know, to, 
and this is it's hard for me to do this Aussie so I'm, I'm doing my best here so don't you know to, but like the scene where she confronts Alan Rickman she does a good job <laughs> <laughs> she does a, right. no no just ex- don't don't just let me job. just let me let me Dave come on let me okay, I'm, okay, I'm trying I'm putting my I'm putting my I've right hand enough. out here go on, go right on. Um, but the problem with it Right, is the script written by Richard Curtis, where you have this really horrible sense of humour. Let's leave the fat jokes to one side. You have this really horrible sense of humour. You know, she says to um, uh, Liam Neeson, um, "Oh, uh, he start, he breaks down and cries, and it's actually quite affecting the way he does it." And she goes, she just puts her hand and goes, um, "Now, no one likes a sissy. Stop crying, or no one's going to shag you." And like it's like oh what like the, the, what's that humour coming from and 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 there's there's bits like that no, dotted like, throughout the if film. If you were in Liam Neeson's shoes, you might not like those words might not reach out to you. That might not be the kind of relationship you have with your friends. But Liam Neeson's character Daniel laughs. Clearly, that's something that that is a sense of humour that he shares. No, it, he responds to it well. It may not be the kind of words you would want to hear no, no, in those it's circumstances. Not about, it's not words that it's the disgusting line. It's just not funny. His wife and it's is horrible. His wife's just dead, dead. A week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and she's like, oh, get over it. Stop that, crying. <laughs> thing is he absolutely does doesn't he because a month after he's buried his wife he's like all right claudia schiffer like the look <laughs> yeah. at you. to be fair to his, wa- his wife his well wife off. did say that if he wanted to bring claudia schiffer to her funeral he would be welcome to do I so i think she might have been tongue-in-cheek there i don't think she really thought yeah. he was going to get over it his, wife, quite has al- that his quick. wife has also been ill for a long time and he says that this has been a long time coming we're aware of this that's Come why on. she was able to i think we're getting we're i've tried to bring it back to the performance and he takes it in the wrong way is disqualified <laughs> damn I'm going to be out soon did you, did, you, did you think this was going to be as hard as a job as it's turned out to be Joel no <laughs> okay so performances let's get back onto those Emma Thompson I have to say probably gives the standout performance of this film she is sensational and I don't think she's given a bad job I think there's some of the lines she has given she delivers brilliantly some of them are good lines and well done Emma Thompson some of them are average lines and she makes them better because her performance is that strong you see gifts going around on Facebook these days still say and, you know, I still haven't forgiven Alan Rickman for, <laughs> yeah. for betraying Emma Thompson. And it's just, it's true. That character really spoke to people. People really connected with her on the strength of her performance. You know, that speech where she does confront Alan, Alan Rickman and says things, you know, do you stay around knowing that things are just going to be that little bit worse? And it's just, it's a heartbreaking moment. It really is. And her story is the one that really ends probably the least happily. You know, she's trapped in this unhappy marriage knowing what he was a hair's breadth away from cheating on her or, or cheating on her if you want to interpret it but that the, way. But the, but the, story doesn't go anywhere it's a it's a very good scene and she does a very good performance with it but there needed to be a follow-up scene where both actors could have done a good performance Ooh, done a good performance okay. he was talking about the story as well they no, could have done a good performance. performance no no he was like <laughs> the, if you'd had that follow-up scene that would have been better and if you'd taken in out the opinion. chris marshall dave it's we're not, we're getting on the chris marshall. Marshall. Oh. getting on to chris saying, marshall i know it's in our opinion <laughs> Okay. I was just gonna say, right, because you were talking about Harry and yes. uh, Karen, right? So the line so when she just confronts Harry and she says, Listen, I know what you've been doing, you know, you've bought your secretary a really expensive necklace, he says the line 
It's just bearing in mind he's just been rumbled by his wife for having an affair or, you know, thinking about having an affair. And he says the line, oh, I'm such a classic fool. Like, one of my problems with this film is the dialogue is just fucking awful, right? <laughs> You've just been rumbled by your wife and he's, his, his first response is like, oh, what am I like? You know? <laughs> well, what response did you want to go, fuck? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that also like... plays right into the character that he's... That, that's who he is and you've seen that's uh, who he is throughout track, that's his class fool <laughs> yeah, ex- yeah. exactly that's his character and what he is his character the, well he's, he's that you know I, I, I don't really know how bit to describe Muppet, him but yeah, he's, you know he's <laughs> in charge of, of this design j- journalism team and, and bit of an idiot. Like. all I'm saying right all I'm saying is if your wife is such a big fucking Joni Mitchell fan do you not think that she would have that CD of Joni Mitchell's already <laughs> I presume he checked and also right <laughs> if you are buying right your secretary Two hundred and thirty pound necklace. Why would you only spend fifteen pound on your wife? Like, isn't that the point of the? That's the point of the piece of story. Yeah, that's why this works. That's why it's like what's going on is that he is he is like Jesus, Alan Rickman. What have you done, you bastard of a man? So if you spend the same on both, then then you're not. Even after 10 years of marriage or however long they say they've been married for, you would get your wife more than one present. You yeah, know, but it's the lack of appreciation that he has for her. That's why this is a love story that's turned very, very you, you well. Just buy a backup game. <laughs> where's the love? <laughs> where's the love? Where's the love? In the story. The it's, love is between those two. And why would you buy? It's different love. You've got to look at this from different... She doesn't leave immediately because she does love him and she does love the family. She loves the children. She loves... She loves him. She cares for him. T- and, and they stay together, but it's not that fantasy love yeah. story anymore that is heavily tinged with a bitterness that is never going to leave them. That is going to resonate throughout the rest of their lives together. They don't revisit it and go back to it to, de- to deepen it and to make it an actual thing about love. And it could have been, and it would have been brilliant because Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman could have done a really good job with that story. They did not come back to it. And in the end, you just have him walking over with his trolley and there's a quick word and that's how it's resolved. And it's really disappointing. And it wastes Emma Thompson's acting not skill. At all, it, not absolutely. At all. The she does that there. she does that great scene where she confronts him and then they just throw it into the sand. There's not no not more at to all. do. I no, disagree strongly. There's literally no, I mean that that is true because there's nothing more said about it. It doesn't need to be. We know enough. But then it is true, then, isn't it? It's kind of of both. You would think that love actually had a soul to you when you were younger. I I just hate it so much. I I will say, right, a a bit of trivia is that the most money that they spent on this entire film was building a replica of Heathrow. So a lot of the scenes, they were just like, shit, we need some more airport scenes, which is why all of the sort of stories resolve in an airport at the end. So that's why you get like a lot of... But that ties in with the arrivals gate point that he made. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's why they probably had to do it at the beginning, the arrivals gate, because they had this fucking really expensive Heathrow replica that they were like, it went over budget. So they were like, how can we get more scenes in Heathrow? It more than made its money back now. (laughs) And in actual fact, that's a key part of the film. It's the love that people see, and that's why they did that. They spent five months, five weeks mm-hmm. in Heathrow filming the reactions of people in the arrivals departure to find the the love, to find these uh, these scenes which they could use, and that's the whole point. So it fills the whole thing but you full cannot, circle. But you cannot really pick out one of the nine stories that shows a really accurate or in-depth view of love. 
or that's, any, that's anything, why they pick nine. anything more, yeah. anything because they're nine of the same Love stories. It's infatuation. It's they're not. very different stories. The love story in Laura Linney's story. If we're just going to touch on oh, that brilliant. one, yeah, it's yeah, not. Do. It's not her and Rodrigo Santoro. That's not the love it's story. Love you're meant to be on. <laughs> it's between her and her brother. She, there's this guy that she's been crushing on for absolutely ages, and she get this moment. This moment to have a one night stand. They're not in love. Yes, a moment have a no. That's not the love. That's not the love. It's not. It's this one night stand. Yeah, she thinks she is. She's not, and she. Realizes that the in actual love is for her brother. Right, guys. <laughs> she sacrifices this one night stand. She could have had with this guy. She's been crushing on. I'm going to give you both two minutes to round up whatever you want to round up, but that's the end. Then no, no, so no, 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 no. You've both got two minutes, and that's it. No, right. So your your thing about Sarah and Carl just then, right? Like, why why couldn't she speak to Carl about it? Why couldn't she just say, "Oh yeah," and also uh, explain about her brother? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he would have been understanding. It's it's sort of like. Like, women in this film are sort of either airheaded, nodding dogs that are subservient to the men. Well, that is not true. No, no, no. Like, honestly, like, you look at David's storyline, you look at Jamie's, you look at the Kieran Knightley one, all of them are younger. They don't say much, and they're just sort of very appreciative. They're in subservient roles, and they're sort of like... I won't say preyed upon, but they are sort of like, it's not, it's not real love. The only two women who have any sort of character about them, have any sort of substance, are Emma Thompson's character and Laura Linney's character. And both of them are punished because of it. Like, Emma Thompson gets cheated on and Laura Linney just doesn't find love at all. Like, she couldn't find somebody who loved it and was also understanding of her, of her caring it's, response. It's yet, another, it's yet not... another story that goes nowhere. Rodrigo and Santoro was not understanding about it. That's why he wasn't worth it. That wasn't love. She thought it was. She didn't it even explain. She, she doesn't reject him. Well, he you don't know. Her. Explain. We can't watch these characters every the step phone. of the way for these because, five weeks because before Christmas. Because there's nine of them. Yeah, because there's so nine many stories. stories. You because only get to touch on it and the rest right. of it, piece it together. I feel as though what we've got here is people... We've we've watched these this film from two very different angles and and... The, the point of the film analysis wrong is that was it? well that's what I'm getting I think you've, you've, you've tried to look it's at this different. as, as it's very different. Different. Yeah. you've looked at this as like literal constant heterosexual love stories which is not the case there is a love story of love in, in all its nuanced forms so you're looking at the love of a, of, a, of a woman and her brother you're looking at the love of, of a man and his manager you know this is friend that's this a friendship mates, yeah. you're looking at the, an unrequited love of a man whose best friend has fallen in love with the girl he loved absolutely and he's having to deal stalking, with that yeah, you're, look- stalking her. You're, you're looking at the love of a man and his stepson you know and the, the grieving loss of his of his wife and and the, the grief of, of his no, mom what you're looking and, at uh, is an 11 year old's view of what love is and it's just that teenage before you actually fall in love there's no depth to it it tries to be this we, is we talking about the Daniel story I'm just, talking about all of the stories there is no that's, nuance that's there is no this the one thing you cannot say about love actually is that it's nuanced it's it's fantasy you know you guys are trying to have your cake and eat it you're saying it's fantasy land and we don't need to go into these stories mm. and then you're saying that these stories are nuanced and they're deep and actually there's a no, no, real emotional connection that's I don't, I, that's a bit of a contradiction what we're saying, though, what we're saying is that it is fantasy land and that is good that is what you want from a Christmas film you want that escapism it doesn't have to be realistic it doesn't have to be on the nose but at the same time if you do want to look a little deeper there are nuggets there that you can relate to there is something there is a substance there it's not rammed down your throat but it's there 
No, disagree. That's Sam's storyline that you were saying before, you know, his Liam Neeson, his stepfather. Like, there is, you mentioned the, 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 you know, the mother slash wife had passed away, long illness, but there is no sort of grief at all ever experienced by Sam, the kid, right? Like, he. That's not true because it's dealt with at the very start that that kid has locked himself in the room since long before the mum was ill and he won't come out and speak to him. Yeah, and when he finally emerges, it's not because of his mum, it's because that he's in love and and like the mom is barely a, mentioned again there's a line she's in it used. there's a line in it where right so what kids would ask how his recently widowed dad's love life is going so he says to his dad oh i thought you were going to um find claudia schiffer and give her a good knobbing or whatever you know paraphrasing and then and then liam neeson says and this is verbatim uh, he calls him a wee motherless mongrel right and says that if claudia schiffer did come round, he would kick the lad out so he could go and have sex in his room and this, at least they're bonding over something that's all I'm saying the, the next bit for me is the funniest because like your kid is depressed I know what will cheer him up I'll whack on a film about a huge disaster which killed hundreds of people and features in the yeah. centre of it a love story which ends with one of the lovers being frozen to death <laughs> and sinking to a watery grave right, right, genuinely though like on paper I agree that this this probably shouldn't work it's nine short stories that follow very similar arcs and it shouldn't work however it does because every story has got the emotional arc in the and it's the same emotional arc told with slightly different characters slightly different but that works that's what makes it a a christmas emotional film this is what you've been saying what is the emotional arc where are they at the start where are they in the middle and where are they at the end what is this arc you are talking about so let's take Let's do Prime Minister. Let's do Hugh yes. Grant. Yeah, he comes in. He's there. He's a lonely man. He's a lonely man in a high-profile position. Then he sees this uh, woman, Martin McCutcheon, and he is instantly in love. They fall. They they. That happens. Love at first sight. That happens a lot yeah. in the film, doesn't it? Yeah, of course it does. That's that's the point of the film. So I'm saying to you, they have similar storylines nine times over, and then so so you have happiness. Oh, this is good. They're going to get together. Then you have the tragedy. They can't be together because he's making silly decisions because he's not thinking straight with her. Then you have redemption. He comes back mm. out. He makes, he does the apology. He comes out and grand finds gesture. her. Big grand gesture. He fires her because she's sexually assaulted by the president of the United States. <laughs> which he then redistributes then changes foreign policy over as well. Re- yeah. <laughs> redistributes her. He's not fired. Just moved to a different part of the building because he's not, you know, but that's the low point of their particular arc. And then there's the grand gesture to come back. And that's the emotion. You're like, oh, that's sad because they're not going to be together. Grand gesture. I'm happy they're going to be together. And that happens throughout, you know, and, and that's, that's, the point of it it's an emotional roller aren't actually involved with each other there's no character that you think they love that character because or there's something special about them or something it's just this infatuation that i'm coming back to where it's like they see each other and they go oh my god i'm in love with her now and oh, oh my god which is interesting which is interesting once that that you know that it's interesting once to see that love at first sight Fair enough. But that's all the film has. It's just a sugary, 
icing on the top. Okay, of where is the infatuation in Bill Nye and no, I'm Gregor Fisher's story? In every single no, one. exactly. That's the point. You're saying it's across all the stories and all the characters are all the same, and they're not. There are intricacies here that you're, you're no, just no, omitting. No, no, Bill Nye, right, is just one little bit. I'm talking about Martin McCutcheon. That happens with. I'm talking about Colin Firth and the the maid. That happens with uh, Thomas Brodie Sangster and his weird little thing. That happens with. Liam Neeson and Claudia Schiffer happens with happens with, happens with, um, happens with Martin Freeman and his one as well happens with basically all of them they all just sort of fall in love yeah you know Bill Nye yeah is the obvious exception to be fair with but, Martin oh, Freeman, oh yeah and also that wouldn't happen because that's not heterosexual so you know that wouldn't have happened in the film to be fair though with the Martin Freeman one that, that happens over a good yeah, course I, I, I of would a few say, weeks I would say fair. that Martin Freeman's one that is the only one where mm. it's actually falling in love the rest of them are sort of love affair side those two get to know each other. By the way, the weirdest fucking film. I like. Are they are they body doubles? It's not a yeah, porno. They're, body, so they're doubles. body doubles for a film, like <laughs> which seems. The, to I think it's the on. most high budget <laughs> porn <Yeah>. film. <laughs> <laughs> it's filmed in a mansion and goes on over four weeks yeah. of just fucking <laughs> sex scenes. In different I places, different films. I, I thought one of them was in like the apartment yeah, and the other I one was in the state. I thought it was different fa- films. I and think they just, they just kept getting repeat work. It's yeah. like, oh, you're getting really? to work. Uh, it's the same, it's it's the same crew, isn't it? Uh, no, I think it's the same. Uh, no, I thought it was a different crew. Yeah, because it's, um, it's uh, Colin's mates. Colin's mate, who's who the one who calls him ugly and says he's not going to have a chance in America, he's there at two separate occasions. Uh, one where he, um, right at the beginning, he's talking about remember. lighting. Not him. Yeah. Oh, I thought I that was a different man. No, 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 no. same one. I'm pretty sure it's a different man. I'm pretty no, sure it's the, it's same, the same guy. We'll that's find no, out. That's, we'll a, find that's out. a different man. Have no, a look, look it up. It's yeah. Google it. Google it. Get, get Gary Google Get Gary Google on the go. And we're going to sit here in silence. Discuss some monsters. Sure yeah. yeah. So for, right, for me, all I will say is that Richard Curtis did have an idea. Like, he did have a chance to be a bit diverse with his stories. He did apparently write and film a gay uh, relationship uh, between two female characters and it, was, it wasn't the final film, but then he got told that it was running close to three hours, so he had to cut Wait, two of the scenes. So he decided to cut that one and keep the one about Colin going to America oh. and having sex with yeah. four American women. Like, yeah, that you know, one, I mean, granted, that's a bit of an odd... Like, like very, I, think was, I think it was meant as comic relief, and 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 I, I will go with you. I think that for for me that didn't really land. I thought that was just a bit odd, a bit crass. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the one that was intended is, for comic, the one yeah. is closest to, to any sort of diverse relationship, uh, any sort of you know gay relationship is Billy Mack and his manager, who I thought on the first viewing was quite sweet. It was yeah, like yeah, yeah. of all the people that he could be with, you know, he talks about having sex with different models, Elton John's house or whatever. He decides to bin off his New Year's plans and instead spends his time with his manager and I was like, okay, he's finally admitting how much he loves him but then it turns out that it's not. It's just like because at the very end, yeah, this, he's, this, get, he's getting the, off a plane. I know, and there's just that woman there, isn't it? Just to make it clear, their relationship isn't sexual. Yeah, just to like, make it clear, Joe definitely it's not. not a sexual he relationship. Is, he is, you he's know. got a partner, and and the, the weirdest part of it the, to go on about how poor the dialogue is is uh, I alluded to this earlier. Is that like he says, okay, you know, like I, yeah, I love you, and you know, this is you're who I want to spend Christmas with. Now let's go and get pissed and watch some porn. You know, like. 
that is the weirdest thing that anybody could ever say. He's a very weird man. Have you, have you ever done that? Have you seen the film? He's a very weird no, man. No, I mean, it's Richard Curtis, I think, who's weird. But everyone deserves he's writing that dialogue. And he's I saying, you. I think that's what men, I think that's what men might say to each other. They get I think you just got porn. a bit of a problem th- with Richard Curtis yeah, at this point. No, like, <laughs> no, I've got a problem because of the film we are talking about Billy, and the, watching. That's the Billy like, that is where I'm getting my opinions from. Not like, I'm not biased. basing it on the goddamn film. Richard Curtis said in a 2017 interview that he was told by executives that if he cut all the nudity out, the female nudity out of the film, it would make it quicker and it would also give it a lower rating, like a PG-13, and they would make more money. And Richard Curtis said, no, I want to keep this in as a testament to my younger self who only went to the movies to see nudity. That is what he said. That is why he wanted to do that. It's weird. No, you can't tell me that I've got some sort of vendetta about Richard Curtis calling the pair when he clearly is a pair. I'm just saying it doesn't tie into his film right now. Yeah, yeah, Richard Curtis might be a weird guy, but we're not judging Richard Curtis. To remove the last (laughs) We we did ignore the judge because he did give us two minutes, so I can can, can imagine why. So he seems to be (laughs) pissed off. Just perhaps the laziest thing I could be at home by now. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm saying is Billy Mack is 100% Operation (laughs) U-Tree. He is Operation (laughs) U-Tree. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> I think that's our closing. Should we do a quiz? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just move straight to a quiz. <laughs> One of his lines is that he left Elton John's party where there was lots of semi-naked women with their mouths open. What the fuck does that even that's mean? That's weird, yeah, isn't it? Isn't that, it's, it's about says, him being so, an old-school chauvinistic rock star. That's the whole... But his whole thing is he he's trash, isn't he? his dick in Parky's face. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just like, can you imagine if someone of... actually stuck their dick in Parky's face? Can you imagine how that would like go down? Fantasy land. But which is it? Is it you're talking about these arcs and this beautiful look at love, or is it fantasy land? It you can't, can't both. No, you can't. I don't think that not is, this level of fantasy is, land. It, you can't. His character is that's the clearly problem. comic relief, and he runs throughout because he's on TV in the background of these things. He is clearly comic relief. Right. So to get to Christmas number one he says if I get Christmas number one I'm going to perform naked I'm going to strip naked in my live performance and he does that and then people in Heathrow Airport decide to show that on the television where there are children (laughs) queuing up to get on board the plane like why did they think that like a 60 odd year old man getting his old (laughs) getting his old dong out (laughs) would be appropriate viewing for 11 year old children yeah I'm sure they didn't know they were going to be there. It's probably way past the watch. Right, okay. It's a different time. It's probably back in, way back in the past the watch. 2003. It's also Times were a, different then. It's also not a real Heathrow, so yeah. you know, you've got to give it some 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 allowances there. You know that kid probably would have got shot in the real Heathrow. Oh, yeah. Exactly. But John exactly. Mac- John McClane would have died like seven times during Die Hard. Yeah, Does yeah, it really exactly. matter at the end of the day? You just Martin, suspend your disbelief. Martin McCutcheon probably would have got shot when she runs to to get the yeah. grand. Probably the Prime Minister wouldn't have been on an easy jet flight, it uh, seems, exactly, with like everyone yeah, else. I was say, he's not and and the kids, do you know, and it does, I know, you know, I know clearly, I, I'm aware that I have a problem with this film as yeah, much as anyone. Yeah, you think so? I do, but, all right, fuck it now. But like, <laughs> uh, uh, like, the thing that I really don't like is like that, the primary school, you know, like, it's just this worldview of Britain that doesn't exist and he's selling it. And it's just so complacent and it's so, like, rich. So you've got, uh, she lives in a dodgy end of Wandsworth. It yeah. looks like those houses probably go for about 
a million each. It's, still it's not worth. dodgy. It's not dodgy at all. And like then she goes to her kids' like nativity play mm-hmm. is in the same place as the prime minister's niece and nephew's nativity. Are you kidding me? Like that just isn't a view. Are you of, saying but that no, isn't a view of England? I'm saying it would never happen. But no, no it's a combined nativity. Like they've got all these different schools. Yeah, and I'm and saying, all that, doing I'm saying that they would never the combine show. that nativity. It would just never happen. Why, why it's not, not. It's not Britain like it why is. Not? No, but it's it makes not. Nice. Your school doesn't do that. It makes a nice film at Christmas, though, doesn't it? <laughs> and that's what this is about. Your school won't join with the prime minister's children's schools. Yeah, yeah. Just upset that your nativity isn't We've been trying to get in there. Are you upset that your nativity it's, doesn't have a lobster in it? <laughs> it's just a nonsense view, and it, and it just annoys me because yeah, I know it's fantasy and it's and it's unreality or something like that, yeah. but it's it's his version of fantasy and it's his version of reality, and mm. it's an annoying version of reality, and it's a it's a version of Britain that just really, really, it's complacent and it's smug and it's elitist to and I hate you, it. To you, to a lot of other people that saw this film and consider <laughs> it a festive classic. Me, and that's because I said it. But yeah. You, yeah, you're yeah, saying you're, all of everything you're saying it like it's fact. You're saying it like it's fact. Everything you say is like people it's had a lot to see in this film. That's what I'm saying. You're talking like what you think is what everybody all thinks. I'm saying, all I'm saying is post 9-11, airport security would have been incredibly raw and then to have a young child running around Taking the piss, he would have been tasered. He would have been tasered, <laughs> and John McClane would have been liquefied yeah. when the top of Nakatomi Plaza exploded. Yeah, you can let these Christmas films get away with a couple of things. No, no, because he makes a direct reference to the Twin Towers <laughs> at the beginning of the film to remind us that that happened. <laughs> Airport security is still raw. <laughs> Anyway, let's do it, Joel. Joel, he's just lost all control. Yeah, I literally do not fucking care. When anymore. did you check out, Joel? About an hour ago. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, let's do a quiz. Okay, right. Um, so I thought because this, I mean, Jesus Christ, if anybody is still listening to this episode, I feel like it's just been an hour of four guys shouting at each other. <laughs> it literally has been, but that's exactly what it was going to be all along. Yeah. Okay, I might split this up into two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> volume one, volume two. I, th- I think you should put a warning out at the beginning as well, saying that it is just four men shouting at each other. <laughs> I know. Please do. God, I didn't know I'd get this angry, to be honest. I knew you were I get thought this angry. I'd be able to. Hey, yeah. You two were pretty angry as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just I genuinely think it's a good film. You're a very infuriating man. You're a very infuriating man, to be honest this with you. Is, this is quintessentially <laughs> British, but it's, this is right, like. Guys, guys, crumpets, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm, I'm do, do a quiz to take our mind off it, right? And because I thought, right, I'll give the the listeners uh, a treat for getting through this episode <laughs> i'll make it a, a quiz that they can take part in as well so not just like an incredibly hard one that is you know very abstract this is a quiz actually about love actually it's called quiz actually right question number one buzzers right so fingers on the buzzers guys question number one what band play during the funeral of carl's wife they uh, see rollers. 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 that wasn't a buzzer my buzzer is saying ba- bu- bu- basically <laughs> was that the answer as well yeah, was, oh, yeah. shit <laughs> well done Brucey well done well done uh, uh, right who does Operation New Tree candidate Billy Mack say his best shag was basically rollers uh, Britney Spears well done Austin he didn't buzz. Oh, no, he, said, yeah, that's why. he says Britney Spears was uh, a lousy like oh, yeah no yeah but yeah. that's the answer he gives and then he goes actually no she was crap <laughs> Um, okay. That was a good uh, impression. Yeah, thanks, good thanks. Uh, number three. How many times is fingers on the buzzers? Everyone, love said in this film. Basically, 
Uh, well done, <laughs> well done, Ozzy. And shouldn't give myself a three three word pause. Should I? <laughs> really screw myself. Uh. The next question: How many times is actually said in the film? Basic uh, rollers. What, Alex? Sixty nine. Britney Spears no. twenty two. No. Uh, uh nineteen. No. Joel higher or lower than twenty two. Um, two. Austin is one off. It's twenty three. So well done. I'll give it two. Here's another question: How many turtlenecks feature in this film? <laughs> Basic rollers. Alex. Mm, four. Uh, four. Um, nine. Nine. Joel. Um, higher or lower than nine? Did 20, you count? Twenty-one. Twenty-one. I'm Austin, say seventeen. Oh, Joel's closest. It's twenty-seven. Wow. <laughs> Tells you a lot. Next question. <laughs> Next question. How many people wear turtlenecks in this film? Basic base rollers. Got twenty-seven. No. Just gonna go. <laughs> Don't mind a lot of them were worn by Colin Firth. No, that's true. That's true. Three. No, no, a bit higher than three. Nine. Joel? 12. 12. 7. 7. 7. Uh, Joel is closest. It's 13. So well done, Joel. Oh, wow. uh, okay, next question. Name some of the ingredients uh, in the Christmas box that Rowan Atkinson's character prepares. Oh, Basic rolls. Um, Alex? Uh, rose petals. Mm, yeah, okay, yeah. Rose petals, one. Um, cinnamon stick. Yeah. Britney Spears. Uh, rosemary. No, uh, lavender. Lavender. Lavender, well done, yeah. And Joel, got the last one? Uh, no idea. The last one that he puts in is a... <sighs> Coke. It's a special bag. Nothing says Christmas. <laughs> sprig of holly. Sprig of holly. Oh, White Christmas. Yeah, 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 yeah. a Van Damme sized <laughs> sprig. <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. What is the name of Sam's crush? Oh, um, basic rollers. Dave? Olivia? No. no. Basic rollers. Alex? Lila? Britney Spears? No. Joanna? Well done, Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A bonus question. Why is that weird? It's his mum's name. Yes. And he doesn't seem that asked about it at all. <laughs> like when Liam Neeson is told the name, he's like, oh, that's nice. That was your mother's name as well. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know. <laughs> There's clearly a psychological connection here with this child. But <laughs> okay. Um, next question. What film does Daniel put on for Sam to give him ideas about romance? Basic rollers. Alex? Uh, Titanic. Yes, okay. Um, uh, next question. What does Billy Mack write on the photo of the boy band? Basic rollers. Alex? Uh, we've got little pricks. Yes, well done. <laughs> uh, right, okay. Uh, next question. What words do the American girls ask Colin to speak? Oh, Britney Basic Spears. rollers. Oh, Ozzy? Uh, straw. Yes, that's one. Bottle table. Well, well done, well done, Alex. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next I've question. Watched this film a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, seriously, uh, and, and this, this last. We watched it more than any of you <laughs> combined. Because I hate it. These last two questions, and may, maybe these ones, uh, the listeners m- might not be able to answer. Uh, so, how many times do two or more female characters share the screen together in this two-hour fifteen <laughs> film? <laughs> Longer than ten seconds. Objection. This is not part of the, the trial. <laughs> Leading question. And to be honest with you, we just got to take your word because no one else is counting. Okay, well, you're okay, well, no one's counting. You, you, by all means, go away and count afterwards. I'm not talking about group shots as well, like you know the scene like, in like Portugal. You know, yeah. Uh, Britney Spears. One, two, two. Anybody higher or lower than two? Basic rolls zero. Zero. Joel Five. higher or lower? Go for zero. Five. Uh, Austin's closest it is once. Uh, it's when the American girls are all creaming in their knickers at the prospect of talking to somebody from Britain. Uh, and bonus question or last question. <laughs> last question. How many times do female characters appear on the same screen together for less than 10 seconds in this entire film? 
Mm. And that's not including the one I've just mentioned. Mm, I'd say quite a lot. Quite a lot? Basic rollers. What? 25. 25, Alex. Uh, sorry, Austin. Uh, I'm going to say one. One? Mm, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> 17. Dave, 17. Joel, higher or lower than 17? Um, higher. Higher. Um, well, Austin's closest. It's six. Mm. And I'm going to name them for you. Okay, number one, <laughs> Natalie is comforted in silence by another female employee after she swears in front of the Prime Minister. Number two, Laura Linney tells Millie to turn the radio off. Uh, number three, Jamie's cleaner presents him with a woman like a gift, but they don't actually exchange dialogue. Uh, number four, Laura Linney and Emma Thompson share two sentences together about men at a party. Number five, Karen bumps into David backstage and warns Natalie not to be sexually assaulted by David. <laughs> And number six, American <laughs> girls, again, briefly appear together in the airport and get overly sexually aroused at the thought of talking to a man. I, I would like to... But it's weird that scene when she walks away and she turns and she goes, no, seriously. I would like this all struck from your memories. I don't think Joel's really been listening for the last 20 minutes at least. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, are we done? We are. Yeah. Um... Okay, I don't. I honestly do not know what to say. I don't know what is for the best. I might just work, drop the mic and walk out. <laughs> we'll just leave it up to the listeners whether it's good or bad. But I think that that's a major point on this film. Everyone's got an opinion on it, and I think very, very strong ones for Only some, two some people right one. in this room. Um, uh, but I do feel that I was edging towards one side. Um, like uh, I think everybody made some really good points, and there are definitely uh, sides against that I liked, and sides for that I liked. Uh, particularly, you know, when um, Alex and Gav were kind of slating the the some of the stories, and I felt like uh, you know Austin and Dave always had had to apply for those, which maybe I hadn't thought of myself, especially when I was watching it. And you know, uh, Alex and and Gav made some good points about. Uh, some of the the poor taste in jokes and maybe things uh, like the lack of diversity and you know some of the comments about uh, like the twin towers and basically a lot of the uh, kind of things Richard Curtis did with the film. Um, but overall, and I didn't think I'd say this. I, I think I sided more with Austin and Dave. I just felt like everything Gavin Alex did was massively over-egged and Austin and Dave had better replies for most things and spoke coherently. So I think I'm going to put it wow. on the hit list. A, a, a very personal judgment, <laughs> if I can say so. Wow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, the... <laughs> I came into this a, a beaten man. I thought it was a forgotten conclusion. No matter how good an argument I gave, I thought it it's was been always torn to shreds on the WhatsApp group for like three weeks yeah, now. I'm so happy. <laughs> Oh I held myself with the utmost decorum. <laughs> in fairness, in fairness, Gav, you, you did. <laughs> I, I, I felt the one who was raising my hands. <laughs> I felt I was very coherent and well, by no means went over the matter. Bruce, you let us both down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, genuine opinions. I'll start with Alex. I, I mean, that whole thing was my genuine opinion. I no. can't stand this film. <laughs> right, I, I, I can't stand this film. I just mm. absolutely hate it. And it's it's just vile all the way through. Yeah, I, I am pretty much like Alex. I hate this film with a burning passion that will never, ever die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I suppose the real ones we need to find out about are Dave and Ozzy. Dave? Um, I don't much care for it. 
is the diplomatic answer to that. I'm not a huge fan. I think it's very flawed. Uh, it was dated in 2003. It's it's particularly dated now. Um, yeah, I don't hate it. I think it's it's just what it is. It's kind of, a, like I say, festive escapism. I don't hate it. I don't see it as being that big of a, an issue. But it's not a particularly good film. Austin? I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was a thought it was a really easy watch. I think it's quite entertaining. I, I don't. I didn't have to lie whatsoever. I think it is an emotional heartring. It's very uh, cliche. I think it's got every rom com cliche in there. And I think as long as you're aware of what you're going to get into, then then you can you can just sit back and let it wash over here. It's a nice easy glass of wine <laughs> film. It's a nice. I, d- it's a- I think it's it's quite interesting that Dave and Austin have these opinions. To be fair, because. Every other person that I speak to, it's very, very divisive. It's either I absolutely love that film or I absolutely hate that film. It's no sort of like medium. There's no some, I think it's all right. You know, I could watch yeah. it. So you, you to the actual first people that I've spoken to who think that it's actually all right. We are in the minority. I know what you mean. It's either yeah. love or yeah. hate. It's yeah. an extreme. So, uh, I try, is it higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was a bad mom's Christmas? Uh, higher. Higher. Everyone's saying higher. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Bad Mom's Christmas was thirty-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. This is sixty-four percent, so not as high as I thought it was going to be. Uh, but once again, I put a poll up on Twitter over the weekend. Asked our friends and followers which list Ooh, this will be. Love actually, yeah, yeah. Is, it should be placed on hit or shit. Um, it's quite similar to the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score. Sixty percent of the listeners thought that it should be placed on the hit list. All right, well, so, really, yeah. that surprises yeah. me. Actually, I wasn't sure what the demographic was really yeah, I thought if you're really but, into film yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not gonna like this yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it doesn't it doesn't hold up to, <laughs> I, I that, is, that should be the caption <laughs> for this episode <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't uh, it doesn't hold up to scrutiny from you know like a cinematic point of view you know anything like that it's no. uh, and, and it's a real contrast between the documentary style shots and then what they've tried to shoot yeah, as mean, a studio that shot is, it's a crass way to start a film isn't it yeah oh yeah it was a bit insensitive so uh, anybody got any trivia about this film i've got some trivia actually Go on, Austin. so the funeral scene is actually based upon uh sorry the the wedding scene was actually based upon a funeral that richard curtis went to for jim uh henson oh, where yeah. all the muppets came out oh, and sang yeah. that's where he got the uh thing and that was meant to be a tribute to uh to jim henson that's another weird one like at any point would um i've got his character's name now peter yeah not turn around and be like hang on I don't know, like 20 people in the crowd. <laughs> they, they, yeah. Why all, are they uh, all carrying brass instruments? <laughs> they're all actually friends. They all learn to play that. Because he waves at people and he's like, oh, look, it's whoever, it's your brother, it's whatever. You, you only see it mouthed. I've, I've, I've oh, look, he, I didn't know he could play the clarinet. Yeah. <laughs> How did Richard Curtis know Jim Henson? I mean, where the hell did they meet? No idea. I didn't. I didn't look into that bit. But I he saw probably that. Wormed his way in. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a bit of trivia. Kira Knightley was only 17 when she filmed her scenes, and she's only five years older than Thomas Brody Sangster, who played it? Sam. Really? Wow. That is mad, isn't it? She was only 17. Although she was only 17, Richard Curtis presumably thought she was a lot older. Uh, the Prince Andrew excuse there. <laughs> Allegedly. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Can I, finish with, can I finish with a different bit of trivia so that's not the lingering thought? Uh, apparently, um, apparently Billy Bob Thornton had a genuine fear of antique furniture and Hugh Grant would play tricks on him before filming by showing him antiques like a, I don't know. Like, like pointing and stuff yeah, in the scene. Yeah, like like flashing, really, flashing out a bit of a chair. Really, yeah. What a really <laughs> odd phobia. Or somebody jump out at him dressed as a wingback or something. <laughs> 
I just imagine him like a dodgy salesman hiding you know, antique watches in a long trench coat. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so um, before we adjourn the, okay, I mean, I'm thinking that maybe I should cut the Prince Andrew joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, right. So before we weren't sure about it, it, but you went for it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's uh, even though advised not to. Um, now, before we call it a day, I think it's time for a little caption contest. So what we do here is take a screenshot of the film, put it on Twitter, and ask for friends and followers to provide a funny caption with the best one winning a frog-shaped chocolatey treat. Okay, so number what? Oh, sorry, yeah, I should say. So the the screenshot here is Andrew Lincoln's pervy mark holding up one of his signs and a stereo whilst putting his finger to his lips to shush Kira Knightley. <laughs> uh, so number one, shh. White man dancing is about to commence. Don't mess with the groove. <laughs> Number two, Rick Grimes stealing his mate's missus before the zombie apocalypse happens. <laughs> Number three, unreleased footage from the Pride, Prejudice and Zombies pitch meeting. <laughs> uh, Number four, be very, very quiet. I'm hunting zombies. <laughs> That's, I, mean, I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, number five. Uh, this is an original performance piece. Don't say anything. Shh. Number six. Don't say another word, or your parents find out about your secret Mariah Carey mixtape. <laughs> and number seven. Shh. If anybody asks, I'll tell them I was at the Pizza Express in Woking. <laughs> oh no. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, uh, sent that one in oh, no, no 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 anonymous no really can you set up anonymous twitter accounts you can you can you definitely can oh, it well. says hrh uh, <laughs> 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 okay so which one of those uh, mm, to well, tricky one. well the last one did get a good reaction not the last one okay not ignore that one. one um hunting hunting zombies hunting yeah. zombies yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, congratulations to Kevin Brackett. You've just won yourself a uh, Freddo. Okay. Now, before we call it a day, I wanted to give a shout out to one of our podcasting friends, Dear Daniel Podcast. Now, I know I big these guys up quite a bit, uh, but it's a very special episode this week because they are also reviewing Love Actually. Uh, it was is going to be released. It was released two days ago, so it was released on Tuesday. Uh, so do check it out because it features a very special guest, aka me. Hello, that's right, Gavin here. <laughs> I went on holiday to San Francisco, and I thought I'd take a slight detour to go meet the dead Daniel lads, and we recorded a review of Love Actually. Um, which is great because I consider myself something of a Love Actually expert <laughs> and I was incredibly impartial throughout. Uh, so if you enjoyed this episode and you enjoyed some of the jokes I made, then why not listen to them again? <laughs> uh, no, it's honestly, it was, it was a really good uh, laugh. They're, all the guys are absolutely brilliant and they you know their episodes are incredibly funny and this one is also very funny um not just because i'm on it obviously but i would definitely recommend checking them out check out this episode check out some of their previous stuff as well subscribe to them on apple Podcasts. check them out on spotify as well their daniel podcast and follow them on twitter because they're very engaging they're very funny uh, at their daniel pod okay so Next week's film has been picked out of our festive hat, and it is the 2015 Christmas comedy, The Night Before, which was recommended to us 
by my Amazon Prime recommendations list. Um, so thank you very much, Amazon. Thanks, algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, what was the percentage match? Um, it was quite high. I'm not going to lie to you. It was as high as Bikini Med School. <laughs> it's, you know, what's, what's mad is that there's algorithms. I once watched uh, The Collector, right, which is uh, by the writer and director of Saw 2. Right? It's very sort of gruesome. It's in the same sort of style as Saw. And on my recommendations list afterwards, 90 odd percent match the passion of the christ anyway right uh, so anyway the roles have been picked out of the hat at random so in the role of defense is going to be myself and joel in the role of prosecution is going to be alex and dave and in the role of judge is going to be austin so yeah just want to say thank you to everybody who's listened to this if you liked the episode why not give us a five-star review on apple podcasts check out our um, twitter page after film trials and check out our fantastic graphic artist winston sang at the underscore quirks and check us out on all of the social media youtube facebook and the like so there we have it love actually is a hit unfortunately and Mm. we will be in your ears next week with the night before thank you very much and apologies for such a long episode (laughs) goodbye (laughs) 